The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They don't reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, lighten the fuck up. Enjoy. Now, Crown Vic. Oh, hey. Welcome to another edition of the Very Poorly Made Police Memes podcast. Quick note, my fucking mic died for this little intro, so fuck me. I'm trying something else, so it might sound a little different than the podcast. Hopefully I can get my mic back going before uh, the next podcast. So right off the bat, I want to give a special thanks for Dragon Skin. I'm sure you guys have seen me uh, promote them quite a bit over the last couple of years. Dragon Skin, invented by law enforcement for law enforcement by a 15-year veteran California peace officer. Originally designed for those that wear body armor due to the extreme heat and the sweat that can be produced while working in extreme conditions, he designed this one-of-a-kind apparel using a patent-pending fabric construction that helps keep you drier, cooler, and also keeps damaging bacteria and sweat out of your Kevlar and it keeps anything you wear over Dragon Skin fresh. Go to the link dragonskin.com for a five-day trial and free shipping. Now, guys, check this out. This is a product that I actually owned and wore when I was still out on the road, so I can attest to it, man. It, it fucking helps. So check those guys out, and again, you're helping your brothers and sisters out. Now, before we get into the podcast, somebody sent me a message, and reading it, I, I think this is something really worthy of passing along. So as you guys probably know, uh, last week an officer out in Independence, Missouri was killed in a line of duty. And obviously every line of duty death is sad, but this was a young rookie, still an FTO, fucking went to the academy during all the shit last year. He fucking joined during all this shit. So that was pretty badass on him. Well, unfortunately he was killed, shot and killed last week. Now, he was a uh, organ donor, so an officer who had been hurt last year in a neighboring agency was in need of a kidney. And this young officer not only sacrificed his life for his community, but also was able to save the life of uh, a brother. So, guys, that just even in death, man, this kid's still given. So, fucking have a drink to him, man. All right, on to slightly happier subjects. Real quick, so I've got a huge fucking list of people that want to be on the podcast. If you want to be on the podcast, you can send me a message. It may be a while. I'll try, I'm going to try and get through people as quick as I can. Obviously, not everybody can be on, but I'll, I'll try and get almost everybody on. But it could be a while, so you might want to... I'll ask for them as I get low again, but you can always fucking say, hey, put me on the list, and I'll, I'll try and get back to you. Also, still trying to keep the uh, patch wall going, so if you want to fucking send me one of your patches, hit me up and I will uh, get to the address so you can be part of the sex dungeon down here. Alright, now before we get to the meat of the podcast, because we've got a, uh, a narc on today and I, he's got some really fucking great things to say, so I think you guys will really enjoy this interview. Now we got our second band for the uh, Poorly Made Police Memes podcast coming up, but... 
I'm still putting it out there. If you you have a band or know somebody in a band that's uh, in law enforcement, fucking have them hit me up. We'll uh, we'll get them on the podcast. Give them a little little shout out. All right. So our second band is Seconds to Stay, and this is their song Time and Space. I hope you guys enjoy, and uh, we'll be right back with the meat of the podcast. I know what it's like to wait. Now joining us, a narc, a fucking narc, everybody. I've got Ponch, a narc from the Midwest, on the horn. How are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for uh, joining this very poorly made podcast, and I'm glad you're willing to put yourself out there to millions and millions of people. Yeah. It's got to be pretty yeah, stressful. I, I, I appreciate you uh, appreciate you doing this because I feel like it. it's the closest – Thing that I've heard of where because we are able to be hopefully so anonymous where you can really hear what cops think and what they'd like to say uh, without worrying about you know not being allowed our first amendment like most people well yeah I'm I'm uh, I'm grateful I've had this opportunity I'm grateful anybody fucking listens to anything I have to say but it is cool man it's this is a weird if you would have told me like two years ago, I'd be doing a fucking podcast in a basement with patches all over it, drinking <laughs> pickled dick whiskey. I, I think you, that was the weirdest shit I've ever heard. Now, speaking uh, of, what do you got? Go ahead. I, I, uh, the most beta thing about me is I cannot handle brown liquor and I just think it's foul. So, okay. uh, I'm a gin guy and, uh, yeah, got a special, special bottle of gin for this and, just been very... watching football, sipping on it. Ooh, gin and juice. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've got here today, so obviously the pickled dick is gone. I'm going to try, I'm going to try and try different whiskeys, I think is going to be a thing on here. Now, mm-hmm. I got to finish this one, though, because I can't stockpile a whiskey. This whiskey I have cost eight fucking dollars, so I'm a little terrified. I've never heard of it before. It's called Hawkeye Whiskey, and it's bottled in Iowa at the Iowa Liquor Products in Marshalltown, Iowa. If anybody listening to this podcast lives in Marshalltown, Iowa, you fucking send me a message. So obviously, instead of, you know, drinking it from a cup, I'm going to drink it from a, a bottle because I'm a man. Well, an $8 whiskey, I think, has to be drank out of the bottle. Dude, that's actually not too bad. I mean, it's fairly smooth for 8 bucks. There you this go. This is going to be a lot better than the pickle dick. For sure. For sure. Now, Hawkeye needs to sponsor. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> now, I, I gotta, I've been trying to try beers too, so we'll get this out of the way. So now, I went from drinking whiskey from a bottle. Isn't that a song? Yeah. Who sings that song? Uh, Brad Paisley. That's Oops. a sad song. Brad Paisley? Oh, with a whiskey lullaby. I know that one. Or am I thinking, are we talking oh. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. There's like about. a lyric I'm thinking of. I don't know, whiskey from a bottle. I'm 
Somebody's probably fucking screaming at the radio. I'm, I'm trying to think what the fuck it is. Um, or maybe I'm thinking a message in the bottle by the police. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm being a fucking basic bitch here. The beer I'm trying today is called Vanilla Bean Blonde. And it is brewed by the Infusion Brewing Company. And I'm not sure where because it's really small. Oh, Omaha. The fine town of Omaha. It's not fine. It's a shithole. But we'll see what we got here. I hope this isn't bad. I had my first cream ales last night, and uh, they were amazing. I, I don't think I've ever had one. Dude, this I is fucking see. good. It's really good. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. So I've got whiskey. got a whiskey and a Coke. And I've got my, uh, my blonde, so we're good to go. All right. Enough about alcohol, because I'm not an alcoholic. Let's talk a little bit about your career, Ponch. Uh, tell the uh, millions of people listening at home about your law enforcement career. All right. Well, I, I do think it's important. Uh, part of the step is uh, right out of high school. I, I went to the Marine Corps, did a couple tours. Uh, one of them was in Iraq and uh, got out, started in college. And the college that I was, was attending, I mean, the, the goal has always been law enforcement. Um, the Marines was never, it was always just a step. Started college for criminal justice. The college I was at had a police academy. I started asking around and I started, you know, filling out the million applications and found out that probably at that time, my time was better spent going to that police academy than it was getting a degree because that was more valuable to the departments not having to send you to an academy because of the cost. Uh, so my GI bill transferred over to the uh, police academy because it was at a university and knocked that out. And then um, I, I something I've always thought was super interesting and I, I share with people, especially anybody who's listening and is going through that application after application after application and, and just waiting. Um, I think I applied to I don't know, like 18 or 19 different departments. I would get calls here and there to come do a certain part of the hiring process, but really never heard anything for two years. And then had four departments call me in a 48 hour period and offer me a job. I guess it, they all talk um, when they're, when they're hiring, they let each other know who they're going to hire. It gives everybody a chance to offer a job. And I went and did ride alongs and Two of the departments, the guys I rode along with said, run for your life. Don't don't even think about coming here. I told them where else I got to offer. They said, any of those places are better than here. So um, then it was down to two. And the ride alongs had a lot to do with why, why I picked where I ended up. How much experience do you have? Because I think it's I think the what you went through then I fuck. I think it's probably a lot different right now, depending on where it's, you are in the country, because it's yeah. It's night and day. So I, I've been on for 13 years and I know that I just heard a very large department in my state had eight. They just gave a test and had eight applicants. I mean, wow. They're, they're able to hire probably four times that right now. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a completely different scenario when, when even 13 years ago, um, most, of the tests I would go take, even for a small department that was hiring maybe one or two people, you'd have over a hundred apps. When I got hired at my department, I think it was like 
2000 or something like that. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ended up in a, a suburban department. We got about 45 people. We are lower middle class town, very densely packed, but very small, uh, right outside of a, a very a, a relatively large city. Um, I would suggest to a lot of people who are looking for a place to go, maybe out of the godforsaken Pacific Northwest or just out of a big department or, or they're not in law enforcement yet, but looking at it, it really has kind of the best of everything. We get the crime. Our, our crime per capita is equal to the city that we're by, but it, the pace is slower. It's, it's not, it doesn't grind you down like the city guys go through. Uh, you still get to have some excitement, but you also get to have days that are slow. It's big enough that, you know, we've got a detective bureau with several people on it so you can move around. And then um, the county has all kinds of task forces, whether it be for traffic or OVIs or drugs or uh, U.S. Marshals, all that stuff. And my department's big enough that we, we got our hand in all of that stuff. So you've got places to go, but you don't get ground down and you're not so much just a number like you are in the bigger departments. You know, my chief work. knows my kids kids names and how old they are you know how long were you on the road for i was on the road for uh almost five years that's a pretty healthy um, amount i always get you know as uh i always got pretty salty towards the end and it always fucking pissed me off and like two three year people are getting these crazy assignments i'm like you don't fucking know how to be a cop but i think five years is pretty healthy to know the job yeah i i felt like i I felt like I had a a pretty solid grasp on, you know, I was at that point where I wasn't really running into calls. I didn't know what to do. I'd kind of seen enough to, you know, because I do think it takes three, four, five years to where you've at least seen enough that even if it's something new, it's not really that new. You know, it's just a little different than something you've already been through. And, and honestly, on a small department, it, it was, um, a lot of it had to do with timing. It had to do with the guy who was in narcs took a promotion and the guy who was on the actual drug task force retired. And so there was like two openings and I'd been on the road long enough to make a little bit of a name uh, trying to chase dope around. And we have plenty of it in the city that I work. And um, so I got to go work narcotics in our on RDB for our department. The guy who was in narcotics on our department, bumped up to the the county task force. Uh, So I did four years in that. And then when that guy retired, I bumped up to that county task force. That's where I'm at now. Okay. And how are you digging that, man? Do you have any plans to promote or go back to the road or do something else? Are you pretty happy where you're at? Well, I just, so they just gave a promotional and I passed it up because if I was to get promoted, I'd have to leave the unit. And I mean, it's, it's kind of a once in a career chance, given that my department is smaller. Um, There's no going back once I leave for, you know, I mean, for the most part. So I I passed up on the uh, promotional and I've probably got three more years uh, on the the county unit. It's awesome. I mean, we're doing huge cases. I get to work the whole county and the leadership at this unit is kind of garbage but it's nothing that i can't 
push through the the leadership on my department man is is amazing and i've heard you t- interviewing guys from from other places and i've heard you talk about your experience with your leadership and um you know i guess I'm, we're just really lucky where i'm at because uh from the chief down down to the frontline guys you know it's not perfect but you know you, our our leadership has our back nobody's looking to screw anybody uh they encourage you to do your job uh our chief is is absolutely a cop's cop and has your back you know as best as as he can but yeah it's not the the job i'm in now is too good uh to not finish my time there for sure hey man if you're happy fucking you know you'll never work a day in your life if you like what you're doing right so right And, and it's a nice break from patrol and it's been, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's been nice to have the last few years where uh, I get to wear regular clothes and drive a regular car and I don't have to get the tongue lashings that everybody in uniforms getting until we go do a search warrant. And then, you know, then that all starts. Man, it's like you're in like a, like a coma, man. Like you, you, you know, you're a cop and you're doing cop shit, but you know, you're not subject to the shit the dudes are getting on the road. Yeah, I'm I'm not even issued a body cam. I've never I've never turned a body cam on. Wow. Dude, yeah, body cam, then, well, you've heard me talk about it. I, I like them. I mean, there's definitely downfalls to them, but I in general, I I approve of them. I love them. Uh, other guys have saved my butt. You know what I mean? Uh they've saved me from a couple of use of force false claims where we were on search warrants and luckily there was a couple of patrol guys who had their body cams on. Nice. Um, no, I think they're fantastic. I'm definitely going to have to learn how to watch my mouth a little bit, but that's, you know, that's fine. I, I, I can do that. In the worst case scenario, if I, if I swear when I shouldn't, you know, I'll, I'll get in a little bit of trouble, but it's not going to be career ending. I'd much rather have that camera on to uh, record me doing the right thing for sure. So what got you interested into narcotics? Because there's some guys that that kind of shit, they just gravitate to. You know, don't get me wrong. Like, if, I'd like doing dope if, if it was there, but I, you know, I liked everything. I, I didn't really, there wasn't like one specific thing that really like I got my rocks off on. I, I liked all the aspects of policing, but there are guys that definitely gravitate towards the dope stuff. So what's, what's your story with that? Um, man, I think, I think I just kind of had a natural, a, a knack for spotting the body language and the, the criminal markers for, for dope. And I never really worried about the outcome as far as what happened in court and and all of that. It just, honestly, it just gave me something to focus on, kept me from having to run radar. It's a huge, huge problem in, in the community I work. And um, so, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of targets, you know, if you were willing to put the work in, you could go find it. And yeah, I, I think I, I think I enjoyed the psychology of it, uh, of learning addicts and how they talk and how they lie and their body language and, and learning the, you know, who's who and, and how they're all, who knows who. And um, it, it definitely gave me an opportunity to learn the criminals because, you know, a lot of times you get somebody with a little bit of user amount and it's just just, Hey man, tell, you know, give me something. Tell me, tell me who's doing what, give me an idea of, of, you know, you know, where I work, it's where you live. 
who's up to no good, give me an idea and, and we'll call it done. And then, you know, that just goes into evidence to be destroyed. And um, oh, there's the dog. Um, it wouldn't be poorly made without it. You got a hound dog? It, no, he's a, he's a boxer, but he, he barks kind of like a hound dog. Yeah, there's a little bait of that. It's a gorgeous night, so I lit a fire, and I'm out on the back porch, and I think there might have been a deer in the backyard that he just heard and scared him. That sounds terrible. Um, yeah. Sounds awful. So, yeah, it, it, it was kind of a way to get to know people and learn how to talk to people. And I mean, because if you could talk to addicts and actually kind of level with them, I, I think it's really good training to talk to anybody because they'll lie to you. I mean, addicts will lie to you about things that are blatantly not true. You know what I mean? You could the things that you watched them do and they know you watched them do, they'll lie to you about it. So you got to navigate that and learn how to deal with that and look past it. And I don't know. It, it just always was interesting. And the other stuff, uh, I hate traffic crashes. It's well, my least favorite do. part of the job. I hated DUIs. Everything is so regimented with a DUI. It has to be done exactly the same way every time. And, and if you screw anything up, your case is gone. You know, I just, I liked kind of the, the looseness of dealing with dope and dealing with addicts and, and even drug dealers. And I don't know, it, it just fit my personality better. So let me ask you this, and this is all kind of off base of what we're talking about, but I'm curious. I thought of this while you were talking, do you, have you noticed a difference in the way DAs look at dope cases now compared to, you know, five years ago is do people, do they care less about, you know, the trafficking type stuff, or have you noticed any change at all? Well, the DAs, and we can get into this, this later, um, the DAs don't care about anything anymore. I mean, and that's, I'm being a little bit dramatic, but it seems like nothing gets prosecuted and punished the same way it did even 10 years ago. And when it comes to dope stuff, it, it, it seems to me like whatever the new hot button is, the DAs will hammer it. And then it becomes old hat and they start cutting the deals. You know what I mean? Like the two liter meth labs were a huge, huge thing where I'm at. Um, and that was, that was my bread and butter uh, was going after those and man, they would hammer, they, they, you know, they had mandatory minute. All right. A couple too many drinks, minimum mandatory. And the, and the DAs would hammer those minimums every time. And then it was like, then they'd get rid of the minimum, but you'd still get the same time, but maybe you could get out. And then next thing you know, it's all getting pled down to some other dumb, you know, it as far down as they could get it, no minimum time. And, um, and then fentanyl came and then they'd hammer everybody who was selling fentanyl. And then they'd hammer the people who were selling the fentanyl if there was an overdose and you'd have these young kids going to prison for, you know, 15 years because somebody died off of their fentanyl that they were selling. And, and again, now it's like, maybe they do a year, maybe they don't even prosecute the case. Maybe they really don't, you know, if it's not an absolute slam dunk, they don't bother with it. So whatever the next thing is, they'll hammer that for a year or two and, and then it'll become no big deal. And and they'll have seen their 150th case of the same thing, and they'll just keep pleading it down. But we can't get anybody in jail for anything right now. I mean, we we did a, a sting 
last week in the, the main city where we have unmarks and we just kind of look for our criminal markers in the city and then the state troopers go out with us and they do the stops and we we bring an airplane so that um if they run we just kind of we, we don't chase them we just swarm the area the plane will walk us in we in like four hours we got seven guns all felons carrying guns three of them were extended mags every single one of them got a summons it's crazy man. because we we can't get them in the jail I keep, I keep making COVID. this fucking point and it's like i'm, I'm screaming from the mountaintop but we make such a big fucking deal about gun violence in our communities, in our country. But then whenever the cops catch a dude that shouldn't have a gun, it, it's not a big deal. It, it's a fucking, you know, double secret, super probation. It's right. wild to me, man. It's fucking wild to me. And every cop in this country wants to put people in jail when they have a gun and they shouldn't. I mean, every one of us. That Every cop goes, you know, well, every decent cop goes out trying to get guns off the street and and it it's yeah it's it's insane and we're seeing them so much i mean just so many damn guns everywhere yeah you know it, and it's it's kind of this crazy conundrum because cops at least in my experience i can't talk speak for everyone but for the most part a lot of cops are pretty pro second amendment and stuff and you know, you'll get the people online that are like, well, you know, you guys are taking people's guns and blah, blah, blah. And I hate to use the term, but I'll just call it the, the crazy constitutionalists that mm-hmm. believe that there shouldn't be a pow power felon with guns. Like it shouldn't, you know, you get caught, you know, you do a robbery with a gun or whatever. Who cares if you own a gun again? Like, look, man, I'm all, I'm all for people having guns, but somebody does fucking murder somebody, somebody fucking robs the stores, whatever they shouldn't have a gun anymore. I mean, some of the other stuff you could, I could have a debate with you, but here's the thing is we want to make a big deal about murders and crime and shit. The mass look, there's mass shootings and that's a thing in this country, but the most people don't die in quote unquote, the mass shootings. They die in the inner cities by people that shouldn't have fucking guns, but we can't do anything about it because we'll take their gun. They'll go to jail. They're out before you're done with the paperwork. And they're back on the street buying more fucking guns that are stolen in burglaries, but we don't prosecute burglaries. <laughs> right. It's very fucking simple. Enforce the fucking laws that we have, and life will be a whole lot better. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that that's hands down the most frustrating part of the job is, you know, it's funny. Everybody talks about policing being broken and it, it so is not, but man, the judicial system really might be broken, like really broken. Yeah, um, there's there's got to be some kind of reckoning with this because, I, look, I I think we've we've kind of hammered to the point where you know for the most part, I think cops go out there and do a fucking fantastic job, like ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Yes, there's fucking assholes that do dumb shit, and fuck them. You know, if, if a cop goes out and violates somebody's rights or breaks the law. Fuck them, like any other yep. criminal. However, yep. you know, we make, you know, the not we, but like the news makes fucking criminals out of cops that did nothing wrong, and then their departments won't fucking back them up. But that's that's yep. getting into a, a whole nother subject. But yeah, there's gotta be a reckoning with the criminal justice system because you know, we make this argument, or we don't, but others, well, there's too many people in jail. Okay, there's too many people committing crimes. I, I hate to tell you that, but it's true. There's too many people out there committing crimes. 
we have a problem within our society and we've made it the police's problem. And now the criminal justice system, they don't know what to fucking do. And they're ass fucking backwards. It all fucking starts at home, to be honest with you. But that's, that is a uh, 10 hour episode that we're not going to do. Yeah. 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 Anyway, on the happier subject. So before I get uh, into some of the shit I normally do, was there anything that you wanted to hit on or talk about that you think would be uh, relevant or important for the folks to hear? To the, to the beat cops, probably across the whole country, you, you need to be learning about the drug cartels. You need to be learning about how to recognize that stuff because they are everywhere. I mean, they, they're maybe if you are a very rural department, uh, you know, a sheriff's department that doesn't have a whole lot of population, maybe not. But if you're in, a, in anywhere near any major city, there's a very good chance you have way more cartel presence than you think. And they're smart. They're not carrying gold AKs around and shooting up everything they see. They're they're businessmen. But at the same time, they are connected to the violence that exists in Mexico. And you need to be learning how to recognize their, their little things that, that they do and what they carry. Um, some of the cult, you know, there's like the, the death cult stuff. Just keep an eye out for that and you'll, you'll be surprised um, and, and it's, it's definitely something you, you want to know and want to realize. And I, until we started really getting in and I, I made my way up in the narc world, I had no idea. And I was out doing the dope thing in my city and I had no idea because these guys aren't generally being encountered by law enforcement unless it's a, a traffic stop where they're polite and nothing happens and you move on with your day. We do wiretaps and all that. And that's where we really get to learn what's going on and, and they it, they are everywhere and uh I, I just want to make sure that guys don't take for granted uh that because they don't live anywhere near the border because i certainly don't um that they aren't going to encounter that kind of thing i'm glad you brought that up man here is uh fuck man that's a serious moment on the poorly made police podcast <laughs> i like it dude thanks for spreading your your wealth and knowledge yeah. All right, before we get into the uh, all the questions, and we got a shitload of them, I got to give away a free t-shirt or mug or whatever the fuck this guy picked out. So, so far, this is going to be a thing as long as I don't run out of money. And thankfully, I've had two anonymous donors fucking throw in some money. And so we're going to give some people some free shit. So here's our latest winner. Uh, he wants to nominate uh, his partner. We were dispatched to an outside assist to help a local fire department on a report of a male who collapsed out of a bed. I was coming from the other side of town and my partner had gotten there first. My partner by himself pulled the guy to an open area and began CPR. My buddy was doing compressions about two minutes prior to my arrival and I was able to get an AED on the guy and give him a couple shocks. Fuck man, there's departments with AEDs. It's crazy. Anyway, yeah. uh, my partner continued CPR for several minutes before fire arrived. The guy ultimately was transported to the hospital where he survived a major heart attack. My partner's quick action saved his life. On top of that, my partner is a good guy who never had a bad attitude and will take paper for you if you need it. The partner you would like to share a beat with. Fuck yeah, man. You should get two shirts for taking paper if you don't to fucking help out, buddy. <laughs> so 
he emailed me, so I'll get him some uh, free shit shortly. So if you would like to nominate your partner or somebody you work with, think they kick ass, shoot me an email, poorly made police memes at gmail.com, and I will uh, try and hook them up. All right, dude, you ready for some uh, some narc questions? I am, but so you guys didn't carry AEDs in your car? Nah, bro. We were lucky to have a fucking like first aid kit with a Band-Aid in it. Damn. Yeah, yeah, I mean, dude. We, yeah we've got them in ours. And we're, we're a pretty poor department as far as equipment goes. But yeah, no, well, I think uh, we got them in a grant or something. I don't know. But most of what we have, we got in a grant. Yeah. <laughs> we had a little checkbox on our, our little car sign out thing. If there was an AED in the car, why is this fucking on there? Nobody has one. I think right. maybe some of the supervisors had them. No, I know some departments are really big into the uh, the medical aspect of calls, mm-hmm. and we weren't. So that could be, you know, a smaller department. Maybe it's a smaller fire department. Maybe they do more of the medical type calls because generally we didn't go to. Well, we would go if something was considered maybe a death. We go to all of those. Um, but if it was, you know, you're like your run of the will mill, run of the will, run of the mill nine one one call, dude. I'm here. It's coming. That that Hawkeye whiskey's getting me. But you would, uh, you, you, oh, that puppy scared me, man. Um, Sorry. No, it's all good. But the, uh, yeah, we'd fucking we wouldn't respond to the nine one one calls. Did, did you guys respond to nine one one calls if it was a medical thing? So we would go to uh, anything that sounded like a heart attack because we had AEDs. Okay. Um, we go to any kind of um, choking or drowning. And then we would go to any anything with any serious involving a kid. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, about, that's about what we did. I know the most well, fucked up one medical type call that ever hit my screen. And it was funny because they sent it to me before like they aired it. And it just said electrocution. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'd never <laughs> seen that call come up before. And I'm like, this is not going to be good. Why am I getting dispatched for this shit? It's not even my beat, you know? And it was, yeah. uh, it was a pool and they hadn't gotten out before the lightning had struck, but I guess everybody was okay. But it, yeah, when I first got dispatched, it was like seven people down and I'm like, this is going to be bad. But, oh shit yeah but it everybody at the fire department got there and they called me off and i was like awesome <laughs> this is yeah i was that could have been interesting yeah, yeah. They, fucking no joke man they fucking lightning goes off you gotta listen to them fucking lifeguards man you want to get you want to get the old toaster bath in the 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 uh, swimming pool no joke all right so let's get to the i am so unorganized all right so uh, the first question, batch of questions we're going to hit are off Facebook. So my Facebook people, I'm sorry I've neglected you. I've been mostly getting the questions off of Instagram, but Facebook is kind of weird with the algorithm. So sometimes it doesn't get any reach because it's Facebook. But we got yeah. a few questions from Facebook today. So uh, the first question is, is how mighty is your narc beard? You know, it, it's not too crazy. Uh, I, I do have a beard, but. I had it. It was pretty long for the first couple of years and um, I just got kind of tired of it. So I, I keep it relatively short. Okay. So you're uh, not going for I the do have, look. No, we've, we've got some guys that are pretty good at, at looking like homeless. I'm a, you know, I'm a dad. So I just try to look like a dad. That's who I am. 
yeah, I, I still got a beard though, because it is it is obligated. Yeah, you can't be a narc and, and not have a beard. I think that's against no. the law. Yeah. All right, this this one's fucking pretty funny. If I ask you if you're a cop, do you have to tell me? Because I'm pretty sure you have to. I heard it from a cousin's <laughs> friend's sister bartender that you have to tell me. And he studied criminal justice for two semesters at online community college. So he knows a thing or two. Yep, I 100% do. So if anybody tells you they're not, you can just go ahead and believe it. Yes. Yep. I love it. Do you model your career after Alonzo Harris, Training Day, or Vic Mackey, The Shield? You have to pick one. Oh, well, if I could be one or the other, it would definitely be Alonzo. That dude was bad as fuck. You know, that's right. Um, let's see. If you had to pick between jeans or your beard, your dark beard, what would you pick? As far as what I get to wear every day? Yeah. I'd stay stay with the beard. I hated shaving every fucking day. It's been yeah. so nice. Since I'm off the job, it's it's bad. It's I the self care has gone down quite a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. I got the neck beard with the full thing all the time, and I just fuck. I hate shaving though, man. I probably only do it like once every other week, man. I probably should work on that a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I look like shit, but that's okay. All right, so this is a, we'll get into this one a little bit. This guy asks, do you do any actual police work such as investigating crimes with victims? Something tells uh, me the okay. narc hit him on the, hurt him on the doll a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because drugs are victimless crimes, right? Right. And they have no nexus to human trafficking or anything like that, right? No, definitely not to any violence. No, no, not, not at all. And there's there's no victim. So clearly, clearly you should probably just quit being an art. <laughs> so just quit life. Yeah, you should just quit. Just quit. So, I mean, do you want to talk about that a little bit as far as, sure. you know, the, the to me, you know, I look at like stolen cars, right? Like stolen cars to me are like the nexus of all crime. But then you kind of get into dope stuff and... You know, there's so many different elements of, you know, what what else are dealers doing or, or where are the where is this dope going and, you know, how drugs affect the community. So the crime, obviously, per most statutes, the, the, the victimist society, the amount of different crimes that drugs are tied into, I mean, it, it, they're tied into all of it. Major retail theft is all funded by the drug trade that makes everything more expensive for you and I, I would imagine a vast majority of burglaries and breaking and enterings are people on drugs who would never normally do that if they were not desperate to get more drugs. And to me, like burglaries are there. It's, it is the sanctity of someone's home. You know, there's nothing breaks your heart more than like when you would go to that, that woman who got home and her house had been burglarized. And um, you're going through it with her and you can just see how like demoralized and terrified she is because her home has been violated. And, and you, you know, she doesn't even want you to leave because it's like, she's, she's just terrified. And, and I've always, it, there's just something about someone who's willing to go into another person's home that has drove me crazy. And, and I don't know about you, but most of the burg- hell, I think every burglar I've ever caught was an addict. Yes. Um, an addict right, I, or a yeah. kid? 
Right. Right. Yeah. I have had, I've actually, I had one guy when it was, it was pretty early in my career and I had stopped him and he had some heroin on him and he was super nice. And, you know, we both treated each other with respect. Um, but I, you know, he, he was arrested and had to go through, um, he got into our drug court. I want to say it was like six months later, he was standing outside of where our cruisers parked, you know, where he was allowed to stand and flagged me down and thanked me and said that he got his job back and he's back with his wife and he's been clean the entire six months. And he didn't know, you know, he had no idea where his life was going to lead if he didn't end up in jail that night. And, and it is stuff like that, that I, you know, I don't give a damn what somebody outside of the loop uh, has to think about it. That, that was huge. And, and it, it was, you know, awesome to see and awesome to hear. And um, I'm sure it's happened with other people who didn't take the time to, you know, they didn't feel the need to come thank me and nor should they, but him doing that definitely gave me the motivation to keep pushing with it. Um, and most times that is not the case, but shit, this job, man, I mean, you're going for those little victories, the few and far between they come. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and the gun violence, at least I think it was this way in the nineties. And then I, I think it kind of stopped and it's getting back that way now where, man, every one of these guys who sells dope has a gun and they're using the gun. And most of the shootings in whatever major city happens to be near you, it is all because of the drug trade. It has to do so-and-so sold so-and-so a, a large quantity of dope, but it was fake and ripped them off for their money. Or so-and-so sold so-and-so some hot dope and didn't tell them it was hot. Uh, hot dope meaning um, something they're calling fentanyl or meth or heroin that's loaded with car fentanyl or, you know, it's, it's just not what, what they say it is. So next thing you know, this kid thinks he's selling somebody some meth and he hears that they died of a fentanyl overdose off his meth. Now he's freaking out. He shoots the guy that sold him the stuff, you know, it's, there's plenty of shootings over ego, but a, a lot of it revolves around drugs and to, to just ignore the problem because people don't like it. That's not an option. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, people just want to say, Oh, well, you know, the drug war is a failure and blah, blah, blah. But then they just ignore that. Look at all the shit going on around you. I mean, there's people in our communities that need help right now. You know, you could make some arguments for me as far as, you know, the, the, uh, the, the low level offenders, right. The people that have small quantities, you know, they need help maybe over jail, right. Where, you know, jail is jail actually get them, get them better. Right. There, there's things we can do to improve the criminal justice system, but you guys have to understand that cops have no control over that. We, we can talk to people and, and do what we can, but our, our job is kind of limited in what options we have for people. If somebody's breaking the law, we take them to jail or we don't, or we do this or that. We don't have, you know, people say, oh, these people need treatment and they need options and blah, 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 blah. Where, where is that shit? Yeah. Where is it? There, there's more to it, but the cops are only the small cog in it, right? Where, you know, sometimes you can go to court and you can get court ordered treatment and, and stuff like that, but that's down the road. 
So again, when I said earlier, this comes at home, like if you have, a, and here, look, if you have an addict that's in your family, ultimately for them to want to get better, it's on them. And that's another thing people don't understand too is, oh, you know, the drug war is a failure and we have all these low level offenders, but, but they're willing to just let them sit in the street and die. I'd rather yeah. fucking be in jail than fucking out in the cold. And I think a lot of their family would agree that, yeah. you, I mean, gosh, how many, how many parents, you know, young adults are just like, Hey, at least I know they're not going to die tonight. When you tell them, Hey, I, you know, your kid's in jail, they had heroin on them or whatever. And it's like, and they're, they're relieved. At least they know where they are that night to give that question some validity, even though I think it was a troll. Um, no, this, this guy, it, this guy is usually pretty decent. I think he's just trying to be funny, but I thought it brought up a good point. Well, so, but he, okay. So if he's just joking, he's saying something that a lot of people think, and I'll speak to, this isn't just me. So I'm not tooting my horn, uh, myself and a lot of other guys for a long time. We don't do it anymore. Uh, well, we do it. I don't do it anymore. We had a program where we would go out with uh, a fireman and a drug counselor from the local rehab place. And, and me in plain clothes, because it's less, you know, we wanted as low of an officer presence as possible. And we would, I would print out a list of every person in my city who overdosed that past week. And we would go knock on everybody's door. And if they would answer, we would talk with them with dignity and humanity. And this drug counselor would show them all of their options. If they were willing to go to rehab right then and there, we would give them time to gather up what they wanted and take them. The drug counselor would make sure there was X amount of open spots so we could get somebody in right away. Because a lot of times that would be your trouble is um, people will want to go get clean, but it's a fleeting thought and you got to catch it while it's there. Um, Because once they start feeling dope sick or, you know, whatever the case may be, they change their mind quickly. Um, so, Dude, you know, great, that, that that's was something. a great fucking program, man. I wish more places had the resources to do something like that. That's amazing. Yeah, it, it, it was. And, and I'll be honest, we didn't get a whole lot of people to go, but we don't know who maybe kept that paperwork and, and opened it back up a month later when they hit whatever their bottom was and then used it. We, you know, it, it was a very, it was a very low immediate success rate, but man, we did it for years and, and really pounded through it and, and I think that is the kind of thing that people would like to know cops are doing, you know? Yeah. And to me, that's community policing, not doing fucking right. TikToks and dancing around. That's fucking community policing. So that my fucking hats yeah. off to you guys. That's, that's a great fucking little program. Yeah. There was a lot of, a lot of places doing it. Yeah. It, it was, uh, and it, it's still, still going on. We're not getting the near the amount of overdoses that we were having like uh, 2000 and I think it was 2016 was the, I mean, 2016, I think it was, is when fentanyl first hit where we were and man, people were just dropping like flies. Yeah. That shit'll, that shit'll fuck you up. So now we yeah. went from a, a serious topic to this. What's the most amazing thing you've seen come out of a butthole? And I should preface this mm-hmm. at work at work. Okay. So, I'm glad you prefaced that. I've changed my answer. The I, I, So it's not amazing, but my funniest butthole story was uh, we had one of our 
you know, regular crackheads always gave us a hard time. You know, we, but it was almost, he was almost like family. We dealt with him so much and uh, we bring him down in the jail and the sergeant meets me down in the jail. Uh, Cause we try to have two, two guys when we're booking. And um, we, we knew he, I had watched him shove it in his butt um, before I walked up. So we go to strip and we, you know, it's like, dude, instead of strip searching, you know, just, just grab it, pull it out, give it to us. We don't have to strip you down naked. You know, I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. So he reaches in and he pulls a little cellophane. got a couple of crack rocks in it. And I'm standing there with, with gloves on waiting to take it from him. And for whatever reason, he reaches over with his left hand and goes to hand it to my sergeant who instinctively just put his hand out and grabbed it. No. (laughs) So he's holding dudes, uh, shit crack rocks in his bare hand. And, uh, I think we still to this day fucking joke on him about that. Fuck man. I probably wouldn't eat with that hand anymore. Ever. So this question comes from a, uh, a troll, but it's funny. Everyone knows I'm a cop. What am I doing? And that's in reference to being a UC. What am I doing wrong? Oh. Um, I mean, is there is there pro tips you can give to people for doing UC? I know there's been some memes about some uh, FBI fellas that got outed pretty easily at one of these recent things in Washington. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah. For standing out like a sore thumb. Yeah. You, you got to dress you got to dress what comes naturally to you. So I'm not built like an addict. I'm a stocky guy. It, it, it's, it's pretty clear. You know, I, I can't change the complexion of my skin. I don't have that green, gray meth skin. You know, I look like a middle-aged guy who probably could work construction. So that's what I dress. I went, I go to the thrift store. I buy shirts for electric electrical companies, uh, construction companies, whatever I can find roofing companies. And I, I keep a, uh, I have a folder. It's like a, like a work, like a clipboard that I went to a local roofing company and had them give me copies of what they would use if they were sending somebody out to do a uh, estimate on a roof job. And I have it. (laughs) filled out and if some because people will come up and go like what the hell are you doing and i'll show them my paperwork and you know oh so and so uh said they they might have some old hail damage so i'm just here to check it out i don't try to look that different you know don't wear under armor because every fucking cop wears under armor so don't wear your under armor t-shirts and your under armor hats that screams cop you should wear your poorly made police meme shirts Right. <laughs> yeah. By three. By three. Cause, so that you can wear them, you know, throughout the week. Yeah. That will not give you away as a cop at all. Yeah. Under Armour screams cop. Um, I don't try to look like a gangster. I don't try to look like anything that's that different from, from how I normally look. I, you know, when you start trying to really play pretend you stand out and we've got some guys, man, that like, I mean, we got some guys that are super tatted up. We got a guy who's got 
piercings. I mean, he he's like a, a heavy metal head by nature. And I mean, he's got the the shaved head and the long goatee that he'll braid down into like a disgusting rat tail. He's got like five piercings in his face. But that's that's who he would be if he wasn't a cop. Like he's a metalhead. It works perfect for him. You know, he wears a wallet with a chain. I, 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 I can't pull that off. I'd just walk around feeling like an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, it's not. I can't get down with the, the chain wallet, but. Right. I worked construction before I was a cop. So, you know, I've, I've got jeans that have stains that are construction stains. I got boots that are dirty. I've got the t-shirts, you know what I mean? So it's, you got to try and blend in as, so I'm, I'm never trying to look like a criminal myself. I'm just trying to not look like a cop. When the guys start trying to look like criminals, if it just doesn't fit their personality and their look, they stick out like a sore thumb. I think you, I think you hit on something right there, man. Don't, don't look like a criminal. Just don't try to look like a cop. I like that. You know, the guy with the piercings in his face, he's naturally kind of thin. You know, if we need somebody to go try and buy buy something cold, like let's say maybe we hear about a drive through that's maybe selling prescriptions or something. Uh, you, so like a, a quick mart that's selling prescriptions. He's the guy we send in cold to just, you know, maybe somebody will say, hey, here's the words you got to use for it. We'll send him. Cause he looks like somebody who might do drugs. I don't. The, my job is to just not look like a cop. All right. So the next question is what happens if you do one marijuana? Oh, what do they call that? They, they call it the, uh, Oh man. What did they used to call like the, the marijuana craze? Well, it's it would a, make a you gate, crazy. Is it? Oh really? No, I don't I was gonna say it's, it's the gateway drug, but I was, I was going to say that if you do one marijuana, your life is over. And um, you pretty much should just turn yourself into prison. If you do one marijuana, you'll probably have a snack and take a nap. Yeah. Um, are you guys still doing weed stuff out there or does anybody care? No, nobody cares. <laughs> it, it, is, uh, it is illegal where I'm at, but we've literally been told. The only time we mess with it is if there's going to be a ton of money involved like a ton of money and, 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 you know, like enough marijuana to fill up a semi truck outside of that. They don't want anything to do with it. That sounds like the plot of super troopers. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I did have a question about super troopers. So we're going to jump to that one. Super troopers yeah. one or super troopers two. What's your favorite? Super troopers. Yeah. The, the first one's better. This, have you seen the second one? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, like I laughed. Not, I thought it was funny, but it, it's not the first one. No, the first one is 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 an icon. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just perfect. such a good movie. It was, yeah, it really was. For what it was, it was exactly what it needed to be. So I applaud. Well, and what I what I love about that movie is like it shits on cops, but it really doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, I read an interview with the Broken Lizard, the guys that do that, and they said they have like a really interesting crowd. Like their crowd is half cops and half stoners. But it really is like, like 
they do all the shit that we we would do if we wouldn't actually get in trouble. Oh yeah, you know, chasing each other, doing high speed chases, making your buddies. You know, we would do that if we could. Yeah, it so. used to be uh, all cheeky and fun, but now it's just cruel shenanigans, evil shenanigans. All right, uh, yeah. do only narcs call people narcs? No, everybody calls me a narc. Yeah, I think that's kind of cracked pop culture, man. Narcs, narcs a thing. Um, this is a good question. Not a troll. We're, we, I gotta admit, there's there's quite a few trolls, but we got some decent questions in here too. Starting as a rookie, what's the best way to prepare yourself for a career later as an arc? All right, so I actually do have a serious answer for this. Um, the the obvious is you have to chase dope on the road, but much more importantly, if you don't see drug addicts with dignity and as a human being who is struggling and all of that, you will not get as far. If you can, if you can bring yourself to empathize with what they're going through, maybe even sympathize with it, you will approach your different situations where you talk to them and you will learn a hundred times more from than the cop who treats them like a junkie and doesn't have time for their bullshit. And I a hundred percent understand the cop who treats them like a junkie and doesn't have time for their bullshit. It gets, if you aren't interested in dope, drug addicts are frustrating on the job. You deal with them every damn, you know, damn near every crime you're investigating, they're involved. But if you really want to get into dope work, learn how to cut people breaks. You're going to have to lose out. You know, if your department likes to keep track of how many misdemeanor and felony arrests you have, you may have months where your numbers are low because you cut a lot of breaks and you are gaining information. That person you cut a break to get their, you know, get their phone number, tell them, Hey, you know, we're good. I may call you and I just, I may have a question keep a list of people in your area that you can get in touch with. Maybe you just want to know I've let people go on, you know, small user amount felony charges. If they'll explain to me how they're shooting up what they're shooting up, walk me through the steps of how you do it. Why do you shoot it up instead of smoke it? What does it do? That's different. Questions like that, where it's like, dude, if you will, if you'll be honest with me and help me become a better officer and understand what's going on more, you, you know, we're good. And when you have that arrogance and that judgment towards them, they know that and they'll shut down. Um, I think at least for the style of drug work I do, you, you got to kind of like the psychology of it. That's the part that I've always embraced. And the more, the more you learn who's who, who does what, and you have, a, you have a handful of people you can call because you may help your, you may help your beat partner solve whatever crime, a, a vandalism, a, a burglary, a breaking and entering where somebody stole one or because you were able to call so-and-so that you cut a break a couple weeks ago. Hey, do you know who took an and then it goes, well, how, you know, you tell your beat partner, you guys go knock on the door and there's the lawnmower and everybody then wants to know how the hell do you know? Well, you know, I let so-and-so go and they, you know, or I have a source 
every cop loves to, you know, I like it. Oh, I got a source. I'm not telling you who it is. I got a source. They told me it might be here. Um, that's the stuff that your brass will start to read in reports. They'll start to hear through the grapevine. Oh, shit. So-and-so's, you know, they got all these sources. But that, I mean, that's what drug work is. It's all sources. It's all information, informants, sources. It is people. If you are not good at talking to people, the job as a cop is difficult, period. But um, it, it's the only way to do narcotics. you got to be a people person. So let me ask you this, and this is my own question that jumped out of that question. Mm-hmm. I, obviously, I was, I was beat cop. That's all my career was on the road. I never got into the narc world. Now, as far as informants and stuff like that goes, how does that shit work as far as the the justice side of it in the courts. I mean, when you use a, a UC and all those things, uh-huh. uh, or I'm sorry, not a UC, but when you use an informant, you know, how do you put that in your report? How do you, how do you put that into, you know, a reporter and affidavit, you put them in as informant or do you put them in as their actual name? I learned this from such and such person. Cause isn't there like kind of a litmus test? of, you know, if people are trustworthy enough to be informants? Yes. Yes. The roundabout way that you would put it. Okay. So there's two different things. There are confidential informants and then there are um, like anonymous sources. Let's say I get a phone call without a return number, without a name. They just say that Joe Smith on one, two, three main street is selling meth. Uh, he's, he's got uh, a dozen cars in and out of his driveway every day. Here is uh, six license plates. I got off of cars yesterday. He's been arrested recently for drugs and there's a, there's a child in the house. So every, every piece of that can be corroborated or not corroborated. So I can run those license plates. Maybe three of those license plates come back to people who have had their license suspended for drugs. So that kind of checks the box of, okay, that's a reliable statement that this person made. Um, They gave me a name. I look and Joe Smith was in fact arrested three months ago for possession of meth. So that checks a box and also corroborates what they've told me. Um, Maybe I go sit down the street from Joe's house. And I see 11 cars come and go that day. Well, that checks a box that that's, that's very similar to what they told me was happening. That can all be used. So you have, you have an anonymous source who you have corroborated their information and you would list all of that stuff in your report or in your affidavit for the search warrant. Generally, you're going to need something else, but when it, when it, when you get lucky enough, right. And, and, Usually it's not that good. You know what I mean? A lot of times some people will just leave you a name and an address because it's an ex-girlfriend that's mad or, you know, a neighbor who's annoyed. But sometimes you can go through and corroborate that. And, and that does help a lot, actually. Then you get into your confidential informants. Without getting in too much detail, there's a process where you vet what they're telling you and corroborate that. It's not all that different than the anonymous phone call. Then your supervision looks over all of that and will decide whether or not that person is able to be used as a confidential informant. And then they're given a number. They might be given a name. 
they might be given an alphabetical letter, but they're, they're given something besides their actual names. Okay. And in all of your paperwork moving forward, you will either refer to them as a, a confidential informant or confidential informant number 12. Will those people ever testify in court on a dope case? Or is that part of being a CI is they will never testify? So there's never a never. You know that it's like every other part of law enforcement. Yeah. There's never a never. We have a lot of ways and we bend over backwards to make sure it doesn't happen. Uh, and I can't really go into those. It, it's all legal, you know, uh, posturing. It's not impossible. Okay. So in my six, seven years, I've never seen it happen. But I'm sure there are rare instances where it has. Okay. Well, I got to be honest, that was enlightening for me that, you know, I just never had that kind of experience and never ran into that type of stuff. So I, I was, I'm pretty ignorant to it. So that's, that was a eye opening to me. So hopefully that, you know, for all you young pups at home that don't really know what the, uh, the guys with the beards do, here's a little more information for you. (laughs) All right. So this isn't a narc question, but it's more of a Midwest question. Why are they putting pasta in chili? You know, I don't know. I've never experienced it. Now I'm not, I'm not super Midwest, but I'm Midwest now. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I've never experienced that, but it's not quite chili season yet. I had chili for dinner. I, yeah, no, it's chili season, my friend. Dude, it was like fucking 90 degrees here today, dude. It was here too, but there's leaves on my deck. That's chili season. Well, I will tell What's you, it is, it is pumpkin spice season. I've been getting my pumpkin <laughs> spice, my pumpkin right, cold brews. By the way, I had a total fucking Karen moment at the uh, the local Starbucks today. Because here, here's a, a, a pro tip for you guys if you're a fucking basic bitch like me. If you get the pumpkin spice cold brew, ask for it upside down. Because they put the foam in first, and then they put the coffee in, and it just mixes better. And the foam will go to the top still, but it's just mixed better. So that's how I fucking like it. One of my friends told me about it. Uh-huh. It's fucking great. The, the, nope. people, the people in Starbucks were like, no, we can't really make it upside down. And I was like, actually, I've been getting it that way for a year. You can make it upside down. And then the girl making the drinks, she's, she's made them before. And she told the other girls, she's like, yeah, I can do it. I can make them before. And so I couldn't help myself. I, I, I made a meme about it. I showed it to my wife. We were in the store. And she's, I was like, I want to go show it to him. She's like, that is fucking weird. And so I went back up to the counter and I showed the meme to them. And one of them thought it was pretty funny. The other one was kind of uh, kind of snooty, hoity-toity. She did not think it was funny. But yeah, yeah. so there's my, uh, my Karen meme of the day. But I did so need I... to the manager because they were fucking wrong about that shit. <laughs> I, uh, I don't drink a ton of them, but my favorite sweet drink at Starbucks is the caramel macchiato. And my wife taught me to get it upside down. And you're right. It's a hundred times better. Yeah. I've never had one of those. I'm not a big caramel guy, but my wife gets those. Apparently they're yeah. good. They are good. Yeah. This is the time of year. I love, cause you got the fucking pumpkin spice and then the fucking Christmas drinks are usually fucking legit too. So yep. I had a, a caribou. Have you, do you guys have caribou coffees where you're at? Yeah. Oh yeah. We don't, I don't have any fucking anywhere near here, but the, where I used to live, there was one, and man, they had some fucking good 
fucking shit. But now, now I'm just stuck with old Starbucks. All right, let's see what we got. Um, that's a stupid question. Uh, what is the, uh, what have they busted the most of? Which was kind of an oddly phrased question. Yeah. Uh, um, so maybe they're asking what the biggest bust is, or maybe they're saying, asking what is like what they're normally, what are you normally getting? I would say it's probably meth is what you're getting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Meth is king where I'm at. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't anoint it king. Meth is bad for you. Oh, it's the king of the dope game here. Fair enough. Are you guys yeah. still seeing a lot of the fentanyl shit? Oh, yeah. The thing we're starting to see a lot of is the pill, uh, they're like, um, replicas of oxys and they're they're just fentanyl i mean there's a bunch of filler and binder and shit but there's no oxycodone or oxycontin in them it's just um fentanyl but they look real like i said earlier it it's crazy how much back and forth there is all over this country with mexico it's not a texas problem it's not an arizona problem i do think they get more violence cartel related violence than we do actually i know they do but um it's yeah it's a real it's a real thing and we we are dealing very regularly with people who are at least directly connected with the cartel the cartels no i don't think that's true i don't think there's (laughs) anything bad in mexico that's spilling over the border I don't think at all, but whatever we can, you know, you can lie about it. It's not a big deal. Um, I don't know if this applies to you because you're not like we talked about earlier before we, we hit record is you're not a UC. You're just playing clothes, but do you guys use safe words or anything like that? So, yeah, we have, we have a very strict syllabus. Anytime we're going to buy drugs or try to get money or, you know, whatever it is we're doing, I roll around in a regular car, not a police car. I have my full SWAT gear in the back. It has a, a trunk safe that's got, you know, the AR in it. I have a ballistic shield, rifle shield that I actually keep propped up behind my driver's seat, like between the back and the drivers, because if we're going to box somebody in, I go on the front car that will like actually back into them. And then I just kind of curl up into a ball behind that shield because it's behind my seat. But then it's also there. That's my job. If if something goes bad when we're buying dope, my my job, I'm the shield guy. So, you know, we've got a guy with a battering ram. We've got a guy that always has a rifle. It's, it's all very um, planned out every time. I got you. So you guys can't use funny words or anything like you have, the, like you said, the very strict verbiage you have to use. Yeah, same safe word every time. Yeah, so there's no there's no miscommunication. I got you. So here's another troll, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you all make the road transport, or why do you all make the patrol guys transport your prisoners for you? We just think what we do is so cool, they want to have a little piece of it. Sharing is caring, motherfucker. <laughs> and I assume you all don't have cages. No. Yeah, I don't have a fucking cage. I drive a regular car that we bought from a regular car dealership. I don't have lights. I don't have a cage. I don't have anything. And my entire car is loaded with gear. Cause I, 
my, my department has a multi-jurisdictional SWAT team and I'm on that. So I've got an entire, I've got all my SWAT shit, you know, in a big old hockey bag that sits on my back seat. And then my, I have the gun safe in my trunk. Um, yeah, there's, there's nowhere for anybody to sit in my car. And then my, you know, like every good cop, my passenger seat is my desk. So. Yeah. So there you go. They don't have a cage. Very simple, but they just want you to feel cool, man. Cause you're not as cool as him. It's not a big deal. So one thing I do, man, is if like if a patrol guy passes me a good narc something, whether it be a person or an address or whatever, I do everything I can to get that dude involved when whatever, however it comes to fruition, whether we do a search warrant or whatever, Um, because I remember when that was me and and it was cool and it wouldn't have happened without that person. I, I think that gets lost a lot, probably especially on big departments. But, they, you know, if they pass that info up, it's just as much their arrest as it is anybody else's. For sure, man. That's cool that you do that because, I, you know, I've sent some shit up before and then you never hear anything about it again, which just kind of sucks. But but then there, but there are yeah. detectives, in my experience, there were detectives that were really good about getting back to you and letting you know how the case went and shit. Like I had one where I don't know if I've talked about it here, but I and this was like a rookie shit. I could have done things a little bit better, but. Basically, they stopped the guy, he had warrants, get him out of the car, search incident to arrest. He's got, you know, money balled up in his, in like basically $25 quantities. And I should have mm-hmm. fucking put them all separately, right? But I put them in one bag. That was fucking my fuck up. But that wasn't even what fucked the case is, you know, we get into the car and there's fucking individual wrap baggies fucking under the seat, ton of them, right? And mm-hmm. so I sent it up, get it for distribution. And they said, well, it's not his car. He was borrowing it from somebody else. So that could have been somebody else's drugs. And I'm like, you're just fucking lazy and you don't want to prosecute it. Right. Is what that is. You don't want to fucking do your job. But I digress. What is the dumbest thing you have done to build a rapport with a dealer? Hmm. Dumbest thing I've done to build a rapport with a dealer. I mean, I don't know. I, I've definitely used a couple of informants, and, and, and luckily nothing bad happened, but I knew I shouldn't have used them. Um, they just, you know, so, some of them are so bad in their addiction that, it, I mean, we, yeah, we had a chick that we all knew we shouldn't have been using her. And it ended up that she went to somebody's house and she had had the dope that she was quote unquote going to be buying was inside of her street purse Mm. and uh, pulled it out and then was going to come out with it saying she bought it off the guy and then put our money back up inside of her street purse. And luckily the guy listening on the wire, he just knew, you know what I mean? He knew something wasn't right. Like, He's like, man, they, they, there was no talk. And it, it just, so we had a female searcher found our, our money and she admitted it. And that was the, it, we all knew we shouldn't have been using her. She was, I mean, she was a scumbag. So she caught a whole shitload of charges for that. But that's probably one of the dumber things that luckily nothing bad happened. Nobody got arrested that shouldn't, but it was kind of not listening to the gut, you know? Yeah. So this is a fucking hilarious question from uh, my boy. Best kind of bottle to piss in during surveillance? 
Gatorade. Without a doubt. Big hole. Got to have got to have the big hole you can put the whole thing in the hole so you don't got to worry about missing and uh yeah it wasn't they're big you know what i mean because those early morning when you have to do an early morning surveillance when you still got like three cups of coffee in you i'll fill a two uh 20 ounce bottle up like it's nothing and yes i piss in a bottle probably i bet i piss in a bottle 12 times a week Dude, this reminds me of the uh, the piss jug episode of Trailer Park Boys. I don't know if you watched that. Way the road, bubs. Way the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna make a meme about that. Uh, I think I already have, but fuck it, more piss jug memes for sure. What about the fucking narcs with IBS, man? Like, what if you got, dude? That I could never be a narc because I gotta take a shit all the time. So, what do you what do you do if you gotta fucking take a shit, man? I don't know. It might not be the job for you. I don't think I've run across any guys that have to shit every hour well i mean every hour is a little excessive but i mean you ever been like on a surveillance and you're like fuck man you ate that gas station hot dog and it's ready to come out um yeah uh, yeah not often though i'm a pretty regular guy yeah i have a my my gut sucks man but that's that's uh that's a story for another day this guy wants you to know that we all know you're an arc right classic all right this is a good question which well that's not a good question it's okay easiest reasonable suspicion to make a stop on a vehicle and he used an example as like tent right so tent tent is huge um let's see my one of my favorites is uh and it you can kind of use it two different ways is if it's a traffic light They'll have the white bar where you're supposed to stop, like a solid bar. Yeah. Um, right at the edge of the intersection, no one stops before that bar. They all stop after. Or their nose is out over it. And so that's a violation that I get people with constantly. And then the other is stopping before, because technically at a stop sign, you're supposed to stop before the stop sign. And then if you can't see cross traffic, then you move past the stop sign after you've stopped. Uh, so I'll get them for stopping past the stop sign. So yeah, tent, stop bar, stop sign. Yep. Yeah, I mean, most cars, it always would piss me off because people are like, oh yeah, I can't find any reason to stop a car. Bullshit. Can you? Or are you fucking making shit up? Don't get me wrong. There, I mean, you can you can find shit to stop people for, for sure. But dude, there's going to be a fucking, there's going to be cars that are going to get away from you because if you're not a dirt bag, you're not going to stop them because you didn't fucking have anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fucking easy to say, oh, they didn't use their turn signal to change lanes and shit like that. And dude, man, if you're, yeah. if you're fucking making shit up so you can stop a car you really want, you're fucking part of the problem. And you don't, you don't want that karma, man. I believe yeah. in that shit. Oh, fuck you do yeah, not want to be a scumbag. Yep, it catches up to every single fucking dude that does shady shit every time. To a previous where uh, somebody asked, like, you know, advice for a a young guy who wants to do narc stuff, it would be to learn your traffic codes and your vehicle equipment codes. I mean, learn them like the back of your hand. I mean, I don't, it's probably not right that it is this way, but it is damn near impossible that, that there isn't some kind of violation that people, whether it's moving or equipment, everybody 
does something wrong all the time. And the more you know, honestly, I heard your dog there. Yeah, they. I'm pretty sure they're chasing the cat. They do that every once in a while. <laughs> or there's somebody else. Um, yeah, it, if you learn that book inside and out, uh, you will get the stops that you need and you'll do it the right way, um, which is, yeah, that's, that's huge. You got to do it the right way. All right, I got to well, and my wife gets my hat And on. one more to go back because it's uh, it dawned on me. The, the question about what's the shadiest thing I've ever done to get tight with a dealer, it's if you have no experience, it is nothing like the movies where guys are going by themselves. The reason I can't really think of anything is because there are very strict rules about all of that. You know what I mean? I can't meet an informant by myself ever. I don't even go, if it's a female informant, I bring a female narc with me. Um, it's, I will record meeting female informants and that goes into a separate file that is just kind of an interdepartmental thing in case everything was ever said. Like it is highly, just like every other aspect of law enforcement. I mean, I still have bosses to answer to and uh, there are, there's rules for everything. Um, so there's really not a whole lot of shady things you could do uh, if you're doing it the right way. You're, you're not allowed to be out kicking it with drug dealers and, you know, trying to be their buddy. No, you're not? Damn, man. I wanted to just go hang out with drug dealers. They sound fucking cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't – basically, the next two questions are, are the same question, and I'm not sure if you can answer it, but – have you ever had to do something to like not blow your cover or is that kind of not what you do? No. I mean, the extent that I do is like, like I said, I have kind of a backup plans. Like I have that clipboard that has the, the roofing company stuff on it. But if they're getting into the whole, like doing drugs so that they don't think you're a cop thing, like we don't, we don't do um, undercover stuff like that. But I mean, that, that is real. That does happen. Cops are allowed to, do drugs you know i mean if it gets into if they are undercover and, and it gets into a situation like that they, there are times that they do have to do that but my unit we don't ever get into situations like that the only thing is when we go help the um prostitution and the human trafficking you'll do the massage parlors and stuff and we got a guy who's single all the rest of us are married so the single guy's always got to go in there and get his thing pulled out and then <laughs> go arrest them but <laughs> What a fucking terrible uh, job. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I'll, I'll right? wait the code word for just a couple more minutes. This chick's really good. <laughs> uh, so that's probably the, but yeah, my wife fucking kill me. So I don't, I don't do that part of it. Dude, a handy is not fucking cheating, dude. <laughs> if, not if you're getting, if you're getting paid by the government, it's not cheating. It's not. Oh man. I don't think handies are part of the cheating handbook. I'm pretty sure. I think it's safe. Now, remember the beginning of this podcast where I talk about not giving marital advice? Don't go get handies. Or, cause it's- <laughs> uh, so how serious would you consider the fentanyl crisis in the Midwest? So it's much less serious than it was several years ago. It was really, really freaking bad. Just an incredible amount of overdoses, an incredible amount of young people dying. It has kind of leveled out. Uh, the overdoses are fewer. 
it's kind of scary the whole like they're they're putting it in everything that that's what we're starting to see there there is where i'm at there is no heroin you send i don't care what the people call it more often than not they call it heroin when you send that shit to the lab and it comes back it never says heroin it's always some kind of fentanyl and like i said they're putting it in these pills and we're hearing about them putting it in meth and then you've got people who don't have a tolerance and have no idea. So, you know, that's kind of a scary thing. Um, but I would say that where I'm at in the Midwest, meth is much, much, much more of a problem. Ten, ten times to every one time we get fentanyl. When I was a kid, and I wasn't here, I hate to break some parts. So I wasn't a stoner or anything in high school. But, you know, I had friends that were, and there was a concern about weed, you know, because weed wasn't legal back then, and you know, mm-hmm. people, uh, kids would. <laughs> here's something scary for your parents, man. I would see my friends like now. I'm thinking back on some of the positions we were in in high school with some fucking shady ass fucking people, and you know they're smoking, mm-hmm. but they'd be worried about like, well, what is this fucking lace with? Is that still something right. that happens where weed's getting laced with fucking you know all kinds of shit? No, not not that I hear of. The weed's so damn strong anymore. I don't think they need to lace it with anything. Yeah. Did, did you guys have the big, um, the spice thing a couple of years yeah. ago? Yeah. The bat, ours was, we got hit way harder with bath salts than spice. I know spice is re- like, I know Florida, they're still having huge problems with spice. And I think the Pacific Northwest has a big problem with spice, but that's not been much of an issue for us. Dude, if we had a spice call, it was, Every time it was a fight. Yeah. It was That's how bath salts were. Yeah. With us. Yeah. It was nuts. So, uh, here, let me get on my questions here. I'm super professional. All right. We talked about clothes already. We talked about trying drugs to prove them. I think the best <laughs> question that I think that we can end on tonight is can you let him know that these aren't my pants? Yeah, no kidding. Do you guys still, um, you got a good, these aren't my pants joke or a good, these aren't my pants story rather? So, no, but I, my best story. Dude, what kind of narc are you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's every fucking day. These aren't my pants, but so when I was on patrol and this, yeah, this is something, it's just one of those things that like I'll never forget. It was one of the craziest things i saw a guy at like a a quick stop gas station and i was on night shift and it was getting towards their end of their clothes you know and you kind of like to check them out because you know the guys are leaving the cashiers and stuff leaving with their money and whatever else so Mm -hmm. and he was just acting so damn weird and um this was back when you were allowed to stop people for reasonable suspicion because you know you're a cop with a brain and it, it it looked like he'd been shoplifting because of the way he was moving, like his, his body language, it, it just was, it wasn't right. And I had seen the store clerk, like look out the window and, and they probably just were making sure that he was leaving, but I kind of was like, ah, maybe he did steal something. So I, I stop him around the corner and he stops and he's talking to me and he's got a hoodie on and he's holding, like he's got his hands in the hoodie pocket. And I told him, you know, take your hands out of your pocket for me. But he he did it one by one, and he kept holding in the front of his hoodie. 
so I turn him around to pat him down. I, you know, I asked him if he'd been shoplifting. He said, no. So I go to pat him down and I told him to put his arms out and he wouldn't, he wouldn't move his arms out. So he's facing away from me. He won't move his arms out. So I, now I'm getting kind of tense and it's like, dude, you know, get your fucking arms out. Like, what are you doing? And then I'm thinking gun. Cause it's near his way. His hands are near his waistband. So I kind of force his hands apart and a two liter falls on the ground. And I, I get him cuffed up and I'm like, seriously, dude, like you're going to make me worry that you're pulling a gun out because you're hiding a fucking two liter that you stole. Like, what are we doing here? And he's like, oh, sorry, sorry. And he kicks the two liter. And I'm like, oh, whatever. So I cuff him up. He's got warrants. And I remember the two liter. And now it's going to take it back to the store. So I walk over in the grass where he kicked it. And it's a fucking meth lab rolling like an active two liter, one pot meth lab. He had a fucking meth lab underneath his hoodie that he was cooking meth and shopping in the store. And that's what he, he needed. He went and stole batteries is what he did because he needed the lithium. Mm. And uh, so I had a dude, I got a dude stopped in the middle of the street with an active meth lab tucked under his hoodie. And then he told us it was a Drano bomb. I'm not sure how that made any better sense, but that's kind of the, uh, these aren't my pants. Like, oh no, it's not a meth lab. It's a Drano bomb. Amazing. That I had under, under my shirt. It's amazing. Yeah. I miss the peak of the meth lab stuff because the meth labs had kind of gone away by the time I started and fuck man, like pretty much everything was being made South of the border. And and I, I can't speak to what you guys are seeing, but man, like when I was leaving, the fucking meth was crystal fucking clear, man. Crazy. Oh, yeah. No. Crazy. Yeah. Nobody's doing when I started was at the height of the two liter hillbilly meth. And that was my jam. That's how I made my name. That's why I'm a narc now uh, with those pseudoephedrine logs and and my network of informants and everything else. I, I got it dialed in pretty good. Um, yeah. And then like overnight, they just stopped. And then all of a sudden it was these huge crystal clear shards of ice coming out of Mexico and they were half the price and twice as strong. And it, that hasn't changed. Yeah. They, there's no more meth labs anymore. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, it's, it doesn't even make sense anymore to do that. No. Yeah. You pay more to buy the Sudafed than you would buy the same amount of ice. Dude. <laughs> Yeah. Changing times, man. Changing times. Yeah. So with that, have you you've been listening? Do you uh, you got a word of the day for everybody to use? Yes. And it is I suggest it as a word of forever. I use it whenever I can. And it is paramour. And it's easy to use. Every time you have a domestic, anytime there's a lover involved. You call him a paramour and it will raise everybody's eyebrows when they read your report and you'll use it forever because it's perfect. It's gender neutral. They don't have to be married. They don't have to be, or they can be married. It just covers whoever that person is romantically involved with. Sorry. That was just a YouTube ad because you said paramour and then it made me instantly think of the band. <laughs> so yeah, here we go. Here's some paramour for you. All right, we're not listening to Paramore. Um, yeah. Thank dude, you. I, didn't even, I fucking just thought that was the name of a band. I didn't know it was a real word. Yeah. 
All right. The word of forever is Paramore. But we're still yeah, going to do word of the week. But you fuckers are letting me down, man. Fucking send that shit in. Who cares what your sergeant says? It's not a big deal. Do you have any imparting words of wisdom for the millions and millions and millions of people that listen to this podcast? Well, I know that the one thing you didn't ask me. Let's hit it, dude. Everybody is, is the job dead. Oh, my fuck. Well, now I normally do. But in, in my defense, sorry, I forgot. It's because of, uh, you know, that we were going with the, we didn't go with what state you were in. Because I, I like to ask state specific, but let, I would right. like to hear your opinion on that. So I will, yeah, I got to speak in, in generality to the Midwest. Um, and, I, and I actually do think that this does apply to the Midwest in general. The job is not dead. It is different. It's maybe in a coma at the moment, but I think it's not in a coma because of politics. It's in a coma because of COVID. That's been our, our job didn't change that much with Ferguson, where I am, with, with all of that, other than, you know, getting body cameras and, you know, getting told you can't use a rear naked choker, you know what I mean? Or kneel on people's necks, duh. The thing that's really killed the job where I'm at is you can't fucking arrest anybody for anything. The jails won't accept anybody. I mean, it's it's coming to the point where the cities are starting to threaten lawsuits against the sheriffs who run the jails. That has temporarily changed the job drastically, but I would call it a coma um, because it, it will come back once, whenever COVID's gone or we just stopped caring as much and you know, whatever. Um, but to all you guys who might be in the Pacific Northwest or out East, if you have the means and you still want to do the job, like it is alive and well in the Midwest. It's, I think it's alive and well in the South too, man. You watch videos online of these guys in Florida and they're still being cops. We still pull people over, you know, we're still allowed to use reasonable suspicion we're still allowed to use the use of force continuum. Like our chief encourages us to go out and be cops and protect the community. And it is not such a goddamn disaster everywhere. There are still places where you can serve your community without worrying about going to jail for doing the right thing. So I, I know that the job is dead some places. I, I'm, I'm certain of it, but I, I do think there are still places if you have the means and you, you know, for me, there's no, there's no other job. There's nothing else. This is, I believe this is why I am here is to be a good husband, a good father and a cop and a good one. And, and to do it honorably and all of that. I mean, I really do in my soul believe that and not to get too cheesy, but there's nothing else. There's no other, there's no backup. I mean, I, I could go make money, but I, there's nothing else I want to do. And um, if you are in that boat and you can move, like cops are needed everywhere and just get the hell out of these crazy corners of this country that are running off insane politics and get back to the middle or head down South or whatever you can do. Um, Cause the job's not dead everywhere. We, we are still, highly encouraged to go out and be policemen and police women 
and to do the job and to do it right. And if you do it right, your brass has your back. Dude, that's fucking, uh, it's good to hear, dude. Cause yeah, I'm glad you, you referenced our folks at some of these places. I mean, dude, it's, it's crazy. Some of these guys have been, you know, cleared for something. Yeah. And then two years later they indict them. Like I would fuck, you never know if you're going to be that guy or gal that, you know, you don't pick the calls you go to. And uh, you could be one of these guys that fucking gets into something that you didn't want to be part of, or just fucking something dumb happens in front of you and you're fucking forced to deal with it. If you can, and you got the means fucking, I would move on to somewhere better for sure, but it's hard. It's hard. And also right. side note, don't fucking shit on people that leave. And I'm not just saying that for me. I get so fucking sick of people say, oh, they're leaving because they're cowards and shit. I fucking left because I didn't want to get fucking indicted. And I was, I'm not going to stand by and watch my city be destroyed. And I can't do anything about it. I'm not, I'm not there to fucking collect a paycheck, right? That's morally, it was wrong for me to sit there and watch. Some guys can move on to other departments. Some guys go on to do other things, but stop fucking shitting on people. No, yeah. You, you gotta, everybody knows the cop in their department that has no business being there anymore. They've been checked out for God knows how long and they're a liability to everybody. And if you're the type where you've lost the passion or the drive because, you know, the, your supervision is garbage and your city politics are garbage and you literally have to worry that defending yourself, you know, putting yourself in harm's way to help other people and then having to defend yourself will end up in you going to jail. You need to go like that. That's there's nothing wrong with that. We had a guy on our unit leave because he was like, dude, I'm not. He's like, I was all about putting myself in harm's way when I thought people appreciated it and that the law had my back and I don't think it's that way anymore and that dude quit left the pension moved his family out in the middle of nowhere you know what I mean and and he's working manual labor now and there's not a damn thing wrong with that and you know it takes a lot of Kurt people you know a lot of the guys that shit on people for leaving are really just don't want to admit that they don't have the courage to do that Cause it is hard to leave the pension. It's hard to leave the benefits. It's hard to start over. And it does take courage to do that. And it should be seen that way. I, I think. Yeah. Everybody has their different things. I mean, you know, I'm out now. I'm, I may go back. You guys fucking listen to me. You guys know I'm obviously passionate about the job, but you know, even if I don't, you know, other people don't, you know, and a lot of people leave, come back, take a break, take a sabbatical and come back and work somewhere else. But you know, I, if you don't have empathy for your brothers and sisters, I'd really fucking hate to see how you are on the street dealing with uh, your fellow mankind. Yeah. And, and you really hit on that earlier, which I, I appreciate it is be a fucking good person. Have, you know, feel for these people. Don't fucking treat them like pieces of shit. Right. You know, everybody has their own things that happen to them in life and, they ended up in a certain place and fuck man, if you can help somebody out, you fucking do it. So, right. Yeah. And some of them are pieces of shit, but use your freaking brain. And you know, some people are pieces of shit, whether, you know, they're on drugs or not. 
and other people are in a desperate fucking spot because you know and and that's a thing man is like you might be talking to some dude who was molested by a family member his whole life he's doing heroin because he can't stand to think about that stuff and and otherwise the guy wouldn't hurt a fly you know and you, you have to if you want to do narc work you, you got to be open to that um you know and they are somebody's kid and they're somebody's dad and that that's i'll get i know we're trying to get out of here but that's going to be the real thing is dying nah, rush but seeing what happens with this entire generation of kids who are being raised in foster care and by their grandparents because their parents are opiate addicts and or meth addicts and or dead from overdoses because the number is i i can't remember off the top of my head but it, it's something crazy like like eight hundred thousand kids are being raised by someone other than their parents because of a direct relationship with drugs crazy man it's crazy. Yeah. Legalize it all, man. Legalize it all. It has no bad effects on anything at all. It's not a big deal. Um, right. really, I think kids Victimless should be brought crime. up around it. Um, yeah. Totally healthy. It's not a big deal. They, you know, little kids don't put their hands on everything and it's not dangerous for them to consume um, meth. It's not a big deal. I've heard babies love it. Yep. I've heard they do. Yeah. 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 Well, dude, I, uh, thanks for coming on, man. This has been a very enlightening episode. I hope, you know, like all this shit, other than my dumb dick jokes, I, I hope people get some shit out of this and can bring it uh, to home with them and make them a better cop. So, yeah. hell yeah, dude. Thanks again. So, if you want to support this podcast, at the end of every podcast, there's a little link. Click on it, and you can give me money. Just steal your mom's credit card. It's not a big deal. Um, you can buy some of my poorly made shirts and mugs and beer glasses, all kinds of cool shit. And you can support the sponsors of this fine podcast, but remember, take care of yourselves, your brothers and sisters before you spend any money on me. And, uh, with that said, I love most of you, not all of you, but most of you be safe out there and have a good night. Bye-bye.